0: Welcome to the KT Literary Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Nyan, and today is a very special episode because I am joined by the one and only, the great, the powerful, the talented, the generous. Sarah Magabo. Sarah, welcome. Renee, it is so good to be with you. This I is... am
1: so excited we're doing this. I am too. Thank you. And thank you for all the kind compliments. I am on the other end of, of being able to share time with the great and the powerful and the generous <laughs> Renee
0: Nyan. Oh, yay. Uh, I love when you come on the show because it's always just kind of a love fest. And I love that. <laughs> it's, it's like my favorite.
1: Well, and it's a good time for me to be able to say I listen to all of your podcasts and they make me smile.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. We really I I always tell our clients this during our interviews like my favorite part about what I do now in hosting this podcast is just being able to be everybody's biggest fan. <laughs> like I love their books. I love them. I love talking with them. Um and so I hope that comes across because it's just it really is so much fun. It is.
1: I listened to your interview with Mayan um, oh, maybe
0: last week, something like that
1: when you're talking when both of you were talking about your favorite middle grade books that you've been reading and how you make a list yeah. of what middle grade books to read and which ones you're tackling, I was like, oh, I've got to get out my list of middle grade books to read and start and add these to my list. It's just it is. It's like I know you well and I know my clients well and I'm introduced to new KT literary clients and new KT literary books. And even if I've worked with a client for years, like that interview you did with Maggie Wells, I still learn things. You know, that, and that just makes me smile. So
0: that I was very happy to be here. It, it's been so fun. And I feel like I've had a lot of your clients on recently. Um, and you have great taste in people, <laughs> truly. Have great taste in people. And, and books, obviously. <laughs> but like people, first and foremost. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me today. We are going to talk about, and I this is kind of one of those uh, episodes where we're going to peel back the curtain a little bit and talk about some of the publishing processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this may be not necessarily perennial um, as a uh, so so it's a COVID thing and it's a it's a supply chain thing uh, is what we're talking about. There are some points that we're going to discuss that will have a long-standing longstanding um, and very perennial um, point to them. And so I think even if you are listening to us past the beyond times or in the beyond times, what are we calling it? The before times, the after times? <laughs> <laughs> After covid
1: um and hopefully it's November of twenty twenty one and everybody's hearing supply chain chaos, so yeah. what does that mean?
0: We don't know actually we know a little bit, so that's what we're here to talk about,
1: or rather, we know a lot about what's going on on november eighth twenty twenty one Will we know what's going on november tenth twenty twenty one
0: definitely not <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about this, and especially as we're heading into the holiday season. What this means, um, pre-order books, 2022 releases, what does this mean? Okay, so
1: if we talk about supply chain chaos, we have to agree that this is going to be a macro-level discussion. That if I power through some publishing speak and some data points and some anecdotes, that I am not representing all of publishing, nor am I representing publishing in perhaps January 2022, or like you said, July 2022, or heck, even November 10th, 2021. So it's sort of a snapshot of some things going on now with an eye towards, like you said, what does go on if we pull back the curtain. Okay, so this is November 8th. Tomorrow, my client Dan Hanks has a book birthday. Uh, the book is called Swashbucklers, and it's a lot like Gremlins. It's like a 1980s horror fantasy Adventure.
0: Oh, that's
1: so fun. So we inked that book deal. I'm going to call it early 2021. Okay. No, sorry. Early 2020. Okay. So early 2020, when we are signing the contract, at that point, the publisher is already looking ahead into its calendar and picking a proposed or tentative publication date. And there is a lot that goes into that. If an author is self-publishing, which Dan isn't, but if an author is self-publishing, then they finish the book and pick a a publication date. And there's a lot of control they have over that process. When an author like our clients has a publication with a big five publisher, or in Dan's case, the very reputable, fantastic midsize publisher called Angry Robot Books, Mm -hmm. um, then the publisher has most of the control. Now the publisher has control because they have a lot of things they want to do in order to maximize sales. So early 2020, Dan and I get the contract for this book called Swashbucklers. And they look ahead, the publisher looks ahead in their calendar and they say, okay, we wanna pick a publication date where Dan's is the only horror fantasy coming out that month. And we wanna pick a publication date that's going to allow us to have plenty of time to edit. And we wanna pick a publication date where we know that the art team has lots of time to create a fabulous cover and we want to pick a publication date where the publicity team has lots of time to get reviews from major trade reviewers and we want to pick a publication date that's going to allow our publisher to pre-order enough wait for it paper to print the books so that on the publication date The book is in bookstores. So I'm saying that facetiously because the supply chain chaos that's going on right now has three pain points. And the first pain point is paper. Um, So in January, in early 2020, when Dan and I inked this book contract, we were starting to hear tinkling is the wrong word. We were starting to hear whispers, (laughs) tinkling, right? You can see where my brain is on a Monday. Um, You're starting to hear whispers of paper is rarer paper is getting more expensive mm-hmm. paper is made from pulp and it's made at a company that changed the pulp into the paper. And those companies have had shortages of pulp and they've had shortages of labor and the pulp that they can get is more expensive. So there's a paper issue, right? So when angry robot said, okay, well swashbucklers by Dan Hanks is going to come out in November, 2021 they already had orders in for paper for their books coming out in 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And they'd already placed an order for that paper that they thought was reasonable for their print runs. Well, all of a sudden, paper's at a shortage. And so the paper companies are coming to the printers who are then going to the publishers who are saying, oh, that order you have for March 2020, we can't fulfill it. And so the publisher has to move March 2020 books to June 2020 books. And there's a snowball effect. So that's pain point number one. hmm Okay, pain point number two is let's say that the paper manufacturer can source the pulp, can pay for the pulp, and can manufacture the pulp and change it into the paper. The next pain point is that paper then goes to a company called the printer. These are two different companies, right, in the same way that a Costco is a different company than a Burger King, right, they're two totally different entities. So, we finally have paper. The paper goes to the printer. There are printers in the United States. There are more printers in China. It is less expensive to make, to print books in China, for example. So, way back in early 2020, the publisher has contacted their printer and said, okay, we have this book called Swashbucklers coming in November 2021. We're expecting this, uh, you know, print run roughly. You know, plus plus or minus 10% on either side, roughly this kind of print run. So please go ahead and order enough paper and, and slot enough staff to be around in the office in August of 2021 to start the process of turning this pulp paper into printed books. Okay, well, what's going on at the printers? We have covid we're 18 months into covid and so if anybody so let's you know picture a big warehouse where there's lots and lots of employees right if a person in the warehouse comes down with covid the entire staff has to be sent home so if for example the printer is slated to work on four books on a monday and that staff is sent home then all of those books have to get rescheduled to tuesday or wednesday or thursday well then all of a sudden tuesday If everybody's healthy, they come in. Now they don't have four books to work on. They have eight books to work on. So COVID has affected what can be accomplished at the printer. Mm -hmm. The pulp is late to the printer. Um, And then once we've successfully gotten the paper and the staff and we've printed the books, they go into a truck, which goes on to a ship and the ship gets to the dock where it's waiting to be (laughs) unloaded. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so we have um you know there's there's stories on CNN right now and in the news right now about the the big, you know, backlog of these huge huge ships piled floor to ceiling with crates full of toys for the holiday season, mm-hmm. sheep to eat presumably, I don't know, <laughs> making that up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, cute little fuzzy sheep. Yeah. Sorry, skip the sheep part. <laughs> But and of course, books, containers and containers of books. So let's say that we got the pulp and was made into paper and it was successfully sent to the printer and everybody stayed healthy and can, could print the books. Then they have to get transported. And there's a big problem with transportation right now. So there's a problem getting the books onto UPS trucks because there's not enough UPS drivers because of the labor shortage. Then let's Mm -hmm. say they get onto the UPS trucks and they're sent to a ship. There's not enough people working at the shipping docks to load from UPS onto the ships because there's a labor shortage. Then they get into the ship, the ship sails across the ocean, and it's waiting in the dock to be unloaded because there's a labor shortage. Then it finally gets unloaded from the ship onto another UPS truck to go to Barnes Noble, and that's delayed because there's a labor shortage. (laughs) So there's lots and lots and lots of pain points along the way. The first one is is the paper. The second one is the printer, right? And then the third one is finally, let's say it, you know, gets onto a UPS truck and goes to the Barnes and Noble, all of the Barnes and Nobles and all the independent bookstores and even amazon.com and the libraries and the grocery stores and the Target and the Walmart and the book clubs, all of the retailers, are going through the same thing that you and I are going through. Mm -hmm. There's COVID concerns, there's labor shortages, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that slow down and already really a a process. that's already going through a lot of hiccups. Mm -hmm. So that's supply chain chaos, November, 2021, in a nutshell. And basically, um, you know, if, if we look at it from a macro level, and again, this is big five publishing, Mm -hmm. this is not self-publishing. This is big five publishing, that where the goal is massive worldwide distribution into the big retailers, then those are the hiccups. And, you know, paper prices and paper shortages are something that have happened for hundreds of years. This is not insurmountable. Mm -hmm. Labor shortages are things that happen. It's not insurmountable. Worldwide pandemics happen. It's not insurmountable. Um, You know, UPS and shipping hiccups happen it's not insurmountable but when they're all stacked on top of each other mm. it's caused just this massive ripple effect that has has really I mean the fact that it's elevated into the you know the common vernacular supply chain chaos yeah that as a discussion point above and beyond just the people who work in publishing means it's a really big deal how does that sound was is that is that does that answer your question is that clear is that Absolutely. too much will
0: no, no, that's amazing. And I think it's a really good reminder that there aren't just because it might feel like it, there would just be warehouses full of books that yep. they're just saying is supply chain issues and they can't get to you or that the author's sitting on a pile of books in their home twirling their like evil man mustache, keeping... You know, keeping these books from their readers, which is absolutely not the case. In some cases, it's the books don't even exist Yeah, to be able to get to you on on release day.
1: Yeah. I mean, we live in a world that is currently has been used to instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world that for the past decade or two has been increasingly shopping online. And so to conceptualize the idea that, there's a file somewhere that has to be uploaded. And if there's no human being in that office because their entire team is out sick with COVID, Mm -hmm. the file can't be uploaded, even if there's paper. And then once those things match, there is paper and there is a human being and then they print the book. Then that printed book, just like you said, has to get itself onto a truck, onto a ship, onto another truck. Along the line, there's pandemic, There's labor shortage, Mm -hmm. there's increased price there. I mean, and not to mention there's books from March, 2020, June, 2020, March, 2021, June, 2021, August, 2021, all that have clogged, not really, I mean, they're all valuable, but they've clogged up the system to the extent that, you know, it's, it's just really been a snowball.
0: Yeah. And this is one of the things that like we maybe could have foreseen, I guess, at the beginning of COVID, but it wasn't on anybody's minds, especially not when we're trying to carry on with the business of publishing and signing new book deals. And, you know, everything changed so dramatically where authors yeah. couldn't go out and promote their books in the same way that they had. And and everything was so different. We just tried to carry on with publishing as it was. And, you know, probably someone smarter than myself saw this coming two years down the line, but uh, I certainly didn't. And Well,
1: it's got nothing to do with smarts. You know, you are 110% A-plus at what you do, and what you see is a slice of the pie. Yeah. The people who placed the print runs saw this coming two years ago. Yeah. You know, as a consumer, because remember, I'm an agent, but I'm also a consumer. Mm-hmm. As a consumer... When I go into restaurants right now, safely, whether they're indoor restaurants or outdoor restaurants, and I live in Colorado, most restaurants right now have a sign that says we're hiring. Yeah. So Here two years see. ago, could somebody have foreseen that there would be such a tremendous labor shortage? Right. I don't know. That's, I'm not an economist. Right. Economist. 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 I can't even say the word. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But like that's so. So you're very, very good at your slice of the pie. And I'm very, very good at my slice of the pie. And, you know, Dan's editor is Eleanor. And she's very, very good at her slice of the pie. And Dan is very, very good at his slice of the pie. What a lot of authors and consumers and probably even agents don't remember is there's so many darn slices of the pie. Yeah. You know, Big Five Publishing is a massive worldwide endeavor that where the the book is the center of a gigantic wheel of so many pieces that have to move accurately and efficiently and enthusiastically in order for a book to hit bookshelves. Hmm. And again, you know, a lot of consumers that are used to instant gratification cannot fathom contacting Amazon.com. Giving Amazon.com their credit card number and then having a response, Oh, I'm sorry, you paid for this book, but now it's not available, so you'll have to wait two weeks. Yeah. Or simultaneously walking into a Barnes Noble and saying, But this is the biggest book that's out this season, and having Barnes Noble saying, I'm sorry, it's not here, and we don't know when we're gonna get more of them. So it isn't something that we're asking consumers to understand because we understand the frustration of not being able to have access to our favorite material. I mean, I just waited two years to see the Dune movie. Yeah. You know, I've been pressing refresh on that thing for two years. I really wanted to see the movie. Um, but so it's it's not that we're asking consumers to reconsider how they approach publishing, because that's too much. You know, it's too much publishing speak. <laughs> sure. But it is it is one of the, you said at the beginning, let's draw the curtain back and see what's going on. And if we agree that this is a very macro level discussion, there's a lot of nuances that I'm that I'm not addressing. There's a lot of loopholes. Somebody said, well, my book came out on time. Great. Fantastic. From a macro level perspective, books aren't getting through the system easily mm-hmm. right now. If we're looking at, at, at exceptions, great. Those are good stories to share.
0: Definitely. So that kind of leads me into my next question for you. One of the things that we have been saying um in the lead up to this, I'd say in the last couple of months, is like pre-order your books. Pre-order if you love a book, it's coming out, pre-order the book. But now we're starting to see that's not enough. (laughs) That's not gonna necessarily guarantee anything um, for certainly for the holiday season. um, And potentially beyond that, what What should we, how should we change how we're talking about uh, book sales? I think, I mean,
1: I I agree with you. So for listeners, the KT Literary staff once a week has a big Zoom meeting and it is the highlight of my week. Like I get to see everybody's faces and hear success stories, and people will come to the meeting and say, Oh, I have interest in this book, and this book's coming out next week, and we got a cover for this. We like we share really good stuff. We mm-hmm. also share business news. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Renee. I think it was maybe six, eight weeks ago that we first started talking as a team, what is going on? What does this mean? How does this affect our authors? So let's compartmentalize your question, right? How do I talk about supply chain chaos in my role as an agent? And obviously, my job, your job, our jobs as agents is to make our clients as much possible money on their books. Um, If I have a credit card and I walk into Barnes Noble and I intend to buy a book and it's not there, that author's not getting that royalty because the guy can't buy it. This is a really big problem, Yeah, right? So I think if I remember correctly, when we first started talking about this as a team, our workarounds included, let's tell our authors that have late 2021 releases and books set to release in 2022. Let's tell them a couple things. One, be mentally prepared for your release date to change Mm -hmm. multiple times and possibly even at the very last minute. Two, let's recommend that our authors have a very short copy and paste sentence two sentences that they can communicate to upset fans when those upset fans contact them via social media or email and this email might say something like i appreciate your support this is an industry-wide upset we're all working our hardest please consider my ebook or my audiobook, please accept my apologies. And you know, then the author can even say, "We will forward this information along to the publisher." The publisher doesn't need the information. The publisher knows this information, right. but you know that was number two. Is number one, be prepared for release date changes, and number two, have some form of copy and paste, because what we've seen is that an upset consumer doesn't go to the bookstore, doesn't go to the publisher, doesn't go to the agent; they go directly to the author. Right, and that's that's emotional weight on our author's shoulders. We're already asking our authors to to take on so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's emotional weight that as an agent, I'd like to provide a tool to sort of offset some of that
0: weight. Right. Cause they're already upset and right. worried, you know, how does that going to change um, your first week, which is, you know, usually the week that either gets you on a list or not, mm-hmm. you know, how is that going to change um, enthusiasm around the project or reviews or whatever, because yeah if people don't have books and they're not reading books and they're not buying the book right all of that changes
1: right so i think that, that as an agent that's been our job but remember that that is our job for clients that have 20 late 2021 and early 2022 releases mm-hmm. the information that we have to provide our clients for books for authors who have books out already is different mm-hmm. Um, and that information is, if it's in a bookstore right now, you're in good shape. Because people can get it. Yeah. Once the bookstore, including Amazon.com, once the retailer is out of the books, they're not going to be able to get more. And that means the biggest books of the season. Right? Like my client, Margaret Rogerson, had a gigantic book release at the beginning of October. Mm-hmm. It debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. It's been on the ABA indie bestseller list multiple weeks since then. It's sold in multiple countries around the world. It has a gigantic audiobook. When the bookstore's out of the book, there aren't going to be any more available. Wow. And that is a shocking mm-hmm. and very difficult thing to have to communicate to an author who is. On the New York Times bestseller list, multiple starred reviews from trade. I mean, this is a huge success. This right. book is a huge success. It makes no you would you would think that this kind of book would be prioritized in its delivery to bookstores. But it it, it can't, it isn't. It can't be any more mm-hmm. so than any other book because of the snowball effect that I that I have already spoken about. So that's another piece of it, is the message from the agent to an author with a book that's coming up is different than the message from the agent to an author whose book is already available. Hmm. And then of course the third piece is the message from the agent to authors whose books are on submission, Mm -hmm. you know, because I, I sort of, I compartmentalize my job into messages for authors that are already selling books, messages for authors that are are books that are coming up soon and messages for authors whose books are on submission. And luckily (laughs) Of the books that are in the bookstores, people are buying books like crazy. I mean, book sales are up, print book sales are up in the double digits. It's fantastic. So for the people who are on submission, I might say, be prepared that author offers that come in in late 2021 will be for publication dates in 2023 and
0: 2024.
1: Hmm. Um, But other than that, people who are on submission should be looking good right now. Because book sales are doing well. It's just which books. <laughs> mm. So that's, that's, and I think, you know, you and I were on those meetings over the past six to eight weeks where, where we've been talking about that. And what, what our clients might not realize, what other authors might not realize is that publishers are invested in communicating business information to their vendors. Mm. Well, an agent is a vendor, right? I'm a ven- I'm not Penguin Random House's partner. I adore working with Penguin Random House. I adore the editors I work with at Penguin Random House, but I'm their vendor. I I provide material that they purchase. So Penguin Random House and Simon and Schuster and HarperCollins and Macmillan and Hachette and Angry Robot and Sourcebooks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are invested in getting the agents as much relevant information as possible. Mm -hmm. So we've heard from Penguin Random House. We've heard from John Carpet, Simon & Schuster. They reach out to the agents and say, this is what's going on. This is how we're combating it. And that's, you know, that's something that as agents, we all, we share with each other. We share with our clients. Mm -hmm. We use that to influence how we're strategizing profit for our clients. Um, And it's been a a major, major talking point for the past six to eight weeks, as you know, because you've been in the meetings. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's sort of, that's sort of, I guess if, if the first question you asked Renee was what's going on and the second question you asked is what is, so what do we do? You know, how are we affecting, how does that affect our job as agents? Yeah. I guess those are sort of the questions the answers that I'm seeing. And again, this is a macro level discussion. Another, another agent might have different, a different strategy or a different take on it or have different pieces of data or information. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's a pretty big industry discussion right now. So Absolutely. I would imagine that most agents are, you know, sort of in the same boat as all of us.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's, uh, you know, as when, especially when the pandemic was getting started, that was the thing that everyone talked about, and now, it's it's been replaced by this. Yes. And how do we how do we yeah. still sell books? Um. I mean, I
1: think you know, as an anecdote, imagine that you have a client. <clears throat> And the client has a young adult novel and the print run was 50,000 units. And if Mm -hmm. the print run is 50,000 units, that means that probably there's 40,000 units around the world in books in various retailers. Mm -hmm. And imagine the first week, Goes wildly viral and all forty thousand of those books go into the hands of consumers. You know? That's a really good week. That's a good that's week. Pretty darn rare. <laughs> and that's a really good week. So of course in typical times, what that means is that then the publisher would go back and say, Oh, we're gonna place another order for another thirty thousand more units. Right. Well the printer would be at the awkward situation of having to say, I'm sorry, you can't have those books, those thirty thousand books for two more months. So what happens to that viral enthusiasm? Right. So if if 40,000 people have purchased a book week one and every one of them has put a review on Goodreads that says five stars, this is the best book I've read in a year, then 100,000 people go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or an independent bookstore and say, I've heard this is the best book of the year. I'd like to buy one. I'm sorry, we're out and we won't get them until February. That is a pain point. And that is a pain point that an agent can't affect, an author can't affect, the editor can't affect, the publicist can't affect, the CEO of Penguin Random House can't affect. Right. But boy, is it a pain point. Yeah. And that is an unheard of anecdote. If I had said that two years ago, that a book could come out, sell 40,000 units, immediately go viral, and then not be able to refill the additional print runs, people's jaw. I mean, that's, that's an ideal situation. That's the situation that all the editors meet and go, Oh my God, it happened to my book and everybody pops champagne and celebrates. And now to not be able to fill those additional orders is, is hard.
0: Well, and then (laughs) exactly what you were saying, the viral nature of the reviews, the buzz, the book, talk, the bookstagram, all of that slows down Mm -hmm. and then you start getting negative reviews on Amazon mm-hmm, or whatever. Yeah. And and the negative reviews are not about the book. The negative reviews are about the fact that they can't get the book. Yeah. And so then that drops the rating on the retail site. And then yep. that just completely deflates the whole thing. Yep. So go ahead.
1: Nope. That's, I <laughs> I was just going to say you're right again. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Oy. It's frustrating, it's painful, but that's, and you'll see a little bit about how, what you've just described is the difference between how it's affecting people who are debuting in 2022 versus Mm -hmm. people who are on the shelves now. Mm -hmm. So the people who are debuting in 2022 are, are thinking, oh my God, I can't imagine anything worse than having my release date changed constantly. Meanwhile, the people in 2021 are saying, oh my gosh, I can't imagine anything worse than people not being able to get my book because they can't fulfill, um, print runs. Right. So, you know, the, the pain points are different depending on when the author has a book coming out.
0: Yeah. But it still sucks.
1: It's tough. It's for tough. Everybody. It's tough. And, you know, for example, um, my client, Mike Haspel, was in an anthology that came out two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And people had pre-ordered the print book. Pre-ordered. The book is called Gunfight on Europa Station. It's a Wild West space opera anthology. It's so fun. <laughs> I love it. So fun. So imagine being March 2021 and I give my credit card number to amazon.com and they charge me my 20 bucks and the release date is set and the release date comes. And instead of getting my book, I get an email saying, I'm sorry, this book is not available. You'll get it in February. That is wildly frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, imagine being an author who's been on submission for a couple of years and then gets an offer and then it takes six months for the, us to hammer out the contract. And then we wait for edit letter and then we blah, 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 and we edit and we get a cover and all this waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, you know, you have the champagne chilling, it's release day and there's no book. It's emotionally, and this is on top of mm-hmm. a year and a half of COVID, right? right? Like this, it is emotionally, there's... I don't remember who was talking recently about the human cost of publishing, and it's different mm. right now. It's hard. And there is a, there's always a silver lining, and the silver lining is that consumers are buying books like crazy right now. print, ebook, audiobook, just the sales numbers are bananas. And that is, I feel like I'm crawling my carcass across the, you know, proverbial table at work. My to you know, and the one thing I'm holding on to like a dog on a bone is well, print you know, sales numbers are very good, yeah. So we'll get through this. And again, I like labor shortages are, are something that we can get through, and mm-hmm. increased pulp cost is something we can get through, and jammed up ports for shipping is something we can get through. But yeah. holy heck, when you pile it on top of each other,
0: yeah,
1: very tough hope that wasn't too negative. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of publishing speak. It's a lot of minutiae. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's a, and it's a nuanced discussion and Mm -hmm. I'm missing a lot of talking points in the, you know, effort to keep this to under four hours, (laughs) but it, but it's, it, it is tough. There's no
0: way around it. Yeah. So one of the things that I think in my absolutely biased opinion, Sets KT Literary apart from other people in the publishing industry, whoever they may be, uh, is our boundless optimism. That comes from Kate. She's one of the most optimistic people I know. Absolutely. That comes from you. I, the way that you can spin a horrible situation to be something <laughs> wonderful is... I drink a lot of coffee. It is unbelievable. You're unreal, mm-hmm. Sarah. I love it. So can we leave anybody who is feeling deflated or feeling upset? Can we leave them with like a takeaway? Is there, yeah. you know, what can we do to support our favorite authors in this time? And and I think you've kind of alluded to some of it. Um, but like, how can we, how can we support publishing, um, wherever we're at? Yeah.
1: I think, I think that's a really great question. And <laughs> Again, I don't feel like that was the world's most optimistic 20 minutes that I just shared with you. (laughs) Um, You know, if we look at it through the lens of this is cold, hard data, this is what's going on, we we attempt to uh, alleviate some of that emotional weight, it's still a tough time. So I think the positive takeaways are e-books are available right away. Yeah. Now, we know that the ebook is not the format that's selling like crazy right now, particularly for children. Middle grade, young adult readers, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It is available immediately. So there's that. Another really, really robust and exciting enthusiastic option is the audiobook. Audiobook sales have been up in had double digit growth over every year over the past four years. Wow. And that's by unit, right? So double digit growth in unit every year for the past four years. Um, I I highly recommend trying it's a non-screen time form of entertainment. Mm-hmm across all age ranges mm-hmm. um you know i let's think i one of my favorites this year was jason huff's thriller instinct love it meticulously narrated and performed and produced i oh don't quote me on this i think it was simon and schuster audio that did that one okay. meticulous um you just interviewed mayan pazewa valchev a couple weeks ago about the leopard behind the moon yeah. which was mayan's debut middle grade fantasy phenomenal audiobook the narrator is gifted the the background like the the everything about it was fantastic so I would say you know a couple of the takeaways are perhaps consumers can try ebook and audiobook Mm -hmm. um you know and and this doesn't help you know any specific author but a, a consumer can always purchase whatever's in the bookstore at the time
0: sure
1: and you know Boy, is that not an easy talking point if the person whose book you want isn't one of the ones that's yeah. available in the bookstore. But there are a lot of good books available in a bookstore and a library, right? Stop. So if, if if we shop at Barnes & Noble and independent bookstores, um, the, the selection is going to be wonderful. It might be limited. <laughs> but it is going to represent very, very good books. Mm-hmm. So those, you know, especially as we are looking at the holiday shopping season, mm-hmm. the picture books, the early readers, the middle grade, the young adult that is available in the store right now, even if we can't get the big book X that we wanted, books Y, Z, and A, and B, and C, and D, and all the other options that are in the bookstore Do support authors. Do support Mm -hmm. Mm bookstores. Do support book lovers, and I feel like that's that is as much lemonade as we can make out of some lemons.
0: No, I love that idea. Make this the holiday season of backlist. Oh, how many backlist numbers are bananas right now? Yeah, how many authors have you had on your TBR forever? Yep, but you just haven't read it make this the holiday season of backlist yep. that's my new mantra i yep. i love it so much
1: yep i th- that's you know and that so stands up in the data that yeah. so stands up in the data the data is all about backlist sales right now
0: oh that's great
1: so it's i think that you know our my as an agent my heart is with my clients that are feeling the pressure from consumers hmm. You know, the people who reach out to them directly to say, how come I can't get your book? How come my pre-order didn't come through? How come this, how come the release date changed? That's where, that's like my heart is there. Hmm. Um, And my, my, when I put on my agenting hat, my, my head is with you, Renee. It's like, okay, let's, let's keep some positive talking points here. Um, I mean, hands down, we haven't seen book sales like this, these past 18 months in years wow and you know sure that doesn't that does not help the person whose book is not on the shelf right um but it it is a pile of money going into our publishers Mm -hmm. that in theory will be used to supplement um investment in all of our authors Mm
0: -hmm. a robust publishing industry theoretically means more books Well, a robust
1: publishing industry means more financial investment. I mean, when we think as, you know, putting back to our talking points, you know, there's two ways for an author to make money. One is width and one is depth, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we can simultaneously have a client that publishes multiple books and our jobs, you know, Renee's job, Sarah's job, Kate's job, et cetera, is to make sure each one of those books is as profitable as possible. And so a robust industry means both of those things are nourished. Mm. You know, an author might only want to write one book, an author might want to write 10 books. And if an author wants to write 10 books, then it's our job as agents to try and make that happen. Simultaneously, whether they write one book or 10 books, each book, there's a strategy for making it as profitable as possible. Mm -hmm. And when we take away the ability to get print books into bookstores, that decreases profit opportunity considerably. However, if profit is up at the big 5 publishers then that investment is there for the long-term conversation even mm-hmm. if it's a short-term hiccup
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's that's the that's the most positive spin i can put on it
0: it's, you know wow well i think what you're talking about with the everybody having a different strategy romance and sci-fi like fantasy not going to be as affected by this as ya And middle grade books. Picture books because I mean think about what people
1: buy during the holidays. Your cookbook, your memoir, your your book club book, your hardcover historical for grandpa. Yeah, your airport Um, reads. Yeah. Yeah. Like those those are going to be more especially frontless. Those are going to be Mm -hmm. more heavily impacted. Mm -hmm. Um, I have clients, I have romance clients that sell up I think forty percent ebook. Yeah, Ronnie Loren sells probably 60% in print and 40% ebook combined ebook and audiobook. Um, So we can we can rely a little bit more heavily on ebook and audiobook distribution. Mm -hmm. than we can, for example, on Mayans, which is this gorgeous hardcover illustrated middle grade, right? um that you know there there's different there's different strategies for the for books yeah um I mean if I if I tell my middle grade authors go ahead and promote your ebook they're going to look at me like you know blankly because ebook doesn't sell very well to middle grade readers right um so yeah it's there's it's a nuanced discussion it's something that as age as an agency and as agents we're talking about a lot. Mm-hmm. We're talk, we talk about this a lot because yeah. we want to be able to provide our authors with the most profitable solutions possible when publishing has hiccups. Mm. And publishing always has hiccups. It That's always, true. I tell my, this is a joke, this Is sort of a joke, but I tell <laughs> my clients when they get a book deal to put up an Excel spreadsheet with a hundred lines on it. And every time something goes wrong, you just put it in. And when you get to a hundred, you're about normal. And it's not to say that it's terrible. It's, a ter- it's just to say that there are just so many hiccups when there's so many pieces of the pie that have to be moving. Right. When there's so many cogs in the wheel that have to be moving, there's just always going to be hiccups. This is just a hiccup that it's just on top of so many other hiccups. Mm-hmm. And it's such a tough one that, you know, it's elevated itself up to the general conversation. Yeah, uh, And I think that's what, uh, to me, that's, what's interesting about this. and and can feel overwhelming mm-hmm. and frustrating. Um, but again, you know, to speak back to the lemons into lemonade, the good news is that, holy cow, are people buying a lot of books right now? Good. So we're going to have the, the publishers will have the money mm-hmm. to keep the proverbial ball rolling through this hiccup. That was a sloppy analogy, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Yep. It's going to be okay.
0: Well, uh let's close out on that because I think that is something really great to keep in mind. By backlist, by ebooks, by audiobooks. Feel free to pre-order and and purchase your hardcovers. Uh just know that they're not going to be there when you think potentially. Um and please don't come after the the authors. <laughs> yeah. The authors are just doing their best. And as yeah. I mentioned before, no one's sitting on a pile of books, twirling a mustache, laughing about uh, keeping things from their readers. No one no one wants to do that. Yeah. Um, so onward. Onwards. <laughs> I, my, I my new tagline
1: is here's to easier days. Here's
0: to easier days, Megabo.
1: It's right?
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's so enlightening. I always love picking your brain about things. Um, I really appreciate your time. My pleasure.